Welcome to episode 59 of The Route, presented by Jobs in Sports. The Route is a glorified sports business coffee chat that has a new guest every episode as they share their experiences and route in sports. I'm Christopher Nascimento, and let's get started. On today's podcast, we have an exciting guest, so much so that I actually already announced the um, company that he works for. I'll let you those with a high IQ have a little fun here. Maybe it's a little IQ test, see if you can think about it. No, haven't thought about it yet. Well, it's actually the CEO of Jobs and Sports, our presenting sponsor, actually Oyova USA. That's the, the big company behind them. But an amazing guest, amazing route, and you know, someone that I always appreciate talking to, and I think a lot of you are gonna get some great value out of today's episode. And with that, before we get into today's interview, just a few things I want to cover as usual. First off, for those of you that aren't aware or, you know, haven't been following with the news of, you know, The Route and White Whale Marketing, you know, the company that uh, The Route is from, um, you know, lots of cool news coming out in the last few weeks in regards to, you know, streaming from our, from our company sites with, you know, new streamers. Uh, getting involved with us on our channels on uh, Twitch and YouTube. So we now have streamers on Mondays and Tuesdays. One's doing FIFA, one's doing FIFA. And we're slowly going to be introducing more. If you're interested in maybe participating in a stream or even becoming a streamer for White Whale Marketing, um, shoot us a message either at the, the route via you know our DMs or even through the, the company account as well. We'll, uh, we'll be sure to be in contact with you. So that's one of the exciting aspects. Another would be that, you know, we're having, you know, more and more athletes starting to sign with the White Whale marketing team. So that just leads to more opportunity, whether it's for the podcast, um, growing their brands, or even just different avenues that we're able to explore. So very exciting news in that aspect. Extremely busy times. That's why the podcast is maybe a day late. But regardless, we're getting it out. You're going to get your clips. So don't worry. Um, yeah. And I guess the last thing, something I'd always like to to sprinkle in before we get into today's guest is please do not forget to subscribe or follow us the podcast depending on um, the platform you're listening on so if you can do that now that'd be great and additionally if you could rate five stars if you're on apple Podcasts, that goes a long way and yeah that's about it hopefully you guys enjoy the podcast and here is our guest I'd now like to welcome someone who works for a company that would be of interest to all of you listening, a job portal for sports. CEO at Job and Sports, which is The Route's presenting sponsor, David McGraw, welcome to The Route. How's it going? It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Um, Yeah, and the way I like to start every single episode is kind of similar where maybe just take us through your route. So where did this journey begin academically and how did it lead uh, to where we are now? So I always wanted to be involved in technology uh, from a young age. And so from college, I went to West Virginia University. I actually then transferred to a tech school. I just wanted to get my degree. I already knew how to to code. So I just wanted to get that piece of paper. And from there, I worked for a communication company, found my way down to Florida, worked for a business intelligence, um, you know, platform. And then I kind of just went out on my own. I founded my own business called Oyova. And that's where Jobs and Sports kind of entered my life. Um, You know, Jobs and Sports was actually first a client of mine. And I provided all the technology support and marketing for 
the platform and I got to know the, the person that owned it and I supported it for about six years. And from there, the owner sold it to a company in Atlanta. And so yeah. then, you know, our support transferred to this company in Atlanta after a year of them owning it and us continuing to support it, they informed us that they were then going to put it up uh, for sale. And so I asked, you know, why and for how much? And mm -hmm. they um, gave us the details and I said, hey, I'll, I'll take it off your hands. And, and from there, that was, I believe, 2018, we've been uh, the owner and, you know, full supporter of the site from there. Now, one of the things about my position of being the supporters, I knew everything that I needed to do to upgrade this platform. And for any of your listeners that is familiar with jobs and sports from perhaps six years ago, they might remember that it's, it wasn't mobile responsive. It wasn't, you know, ideal for iPhones or mobile. And so we had a lot of work to do and, and we flipped that and, and got it to the place that it is now. And it's a completely different resource than what it used to be. And uh, we're really excited about the progress we've seen. So uh, yeah, that's amazing. And I guess maybe just um, going back to the start of your route, right? You're talking about how you went to West Virginia, then you went to you transferred to tech school. Initially, at the you know the beginning of your career, at the end of your academic career, what were you necessarily looking for? Were you trying to like work in IT, um, digital marketing? Like, what were you out there looking to learn? So I was a coder. Uh, when I was 15 years old, my uh, dad had went back to school to become a programmer. And when I found out about that, I was big into video games and I just kept bugging him to make me a video game. And instead he just threw a book in front of me and said, make your own. <laughs> okay. So, I, you know, from 15 years old, I was, you know, programming on computers and, um, you know, I loved it. I, I just absolutely loved it. So, I, you know, when I went to tech school, I taught the class. The, the professors would ask me to review their work on the board because, okay. um, you know, I was just so far advanced or so far ahead of them. So I knew I wanted to be a, a coder and um, that was, you know, my pure focus. So when I got my first job and, and finally became a, a, a coder, you know, I kind of was like, oh, is this it? Did I achieve my lifelong goals? This can't be it. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, that that was a big challenge was finding my next goal. You know, I'm a goal oriented person. I think a, a lot of people that are interested in sports understand what a goal oriented you know approach is. And so mm -hmm. so I really had to just find that. And I didn't know what that was until I started my own firm, which really just kind of came out of being in the industry and seeing how bad it was. It, a lot of people will be, you know, relate with. Working with IT companies usually is painful. It's usually annoying. And uh, sure. so I took a, a stance of I wanted to do everything I could to change that mentality or that approach to IT so that it was approachable. And that is why I started Oyopa, which is the you know primary business that I run, which owns jobs and sports. Yeah, no, that's very interesting, especially with the, you know, <clears throat> the shift that we're kind of in, right, of going into the information age from the industrial age where, um, you know, I think anyone who knows how to code now is at an advantage compared to, to everyone else, right, where even, you know, myself being in marketing, it's all pretty much shifting to digital marketing. And I know even like in some of the investments I have, a lot of it is just kind of turning into companies that 
are involved in the digital space. So I definitely see how that's important. And something you touched on that was pretty interesting, and I kind of want to dive into. You, you said your dad just, you know, he, he's like, hey, you learn how to do it yourself. Here, here's a book. Is that how you learned how to code? You just like taught yourself, read books, and, and, and so on? Yeah. I mean, it's back in the day, learning to code was completely different than today. Okay. The, to be productive as a coder today, you have to have such a foundation of multiple layers and multiple disciplines. I mean, you have to know JavaScript, I mean, depending on what you get into, but like, let's just, you know, talk about web development. Mm-hmm. You know, JavaScript is HTML, it's CSS, it's server-side components, it's frameworks. You know, there's so much to understand. It's daunting today. When, mm-hmm. Back when I was 15, I mean, I, I just opened up QBasic, which I don't even know if, you know, you or your audience knows what that is, but that's... Um, you know, like a DOS level, really basic programming language. And I would just write hello world, you know, programs or, you know, uh, guessing game, number guessing games. I mean, it started very simply and, and your audience probably never heard of Zork, but back in the day, there was a game called Zork, which was all text-based and it would offer things like you enter a room and there's a window on the right. What do you want to do? And you'd have to type in like, look at window. So I would make games like that. And it just every iteration that I would do just got more and more complex uh, until I got into like the graphic stuff. Because, you know, doing graphics in in programming, you know, back in the 90s was not easy. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I was able to start. It was easy to start and, and just go through the logic and learn, you know, really learning to code is a mindset. It's a it's an approach to life that is logical. And it's it's very you know, structure. There's no guessing game in, in code. The computer doesn't, you know, feel like doing things. It's either do it or not. You know, it's it's either one or zero. And and so I think the learning to code, the, the coder brain is ideal for today's economy. Hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. And yeah, just a few things I want to touch on there, right? Where you're saying how as much more i don't want to say easier but maybe uh more straightforward yeah simple it was simpler to kind of learn it right because there's you know not as many levels not as many things to learn right would you say that kind of gave you an advantage right where you kind of learned gradually as these new technologies came in whereas maybe someone now um it's almost daunting like you said right where there's like oh where do i start right so do you find that has that's had an impact on you I would say sure, but you know, even back then there was gotchas to look out for. There's, you know, new technology emerges constantly mm-hmm. and you do have to be savvy enough to understand what's going to stick and what's not because plenty of technologies come and go and you can waste three or four years diving into a, a, a technology that disappears overnight. Um, yeah. There's plenty of platforms that are just don't even exist now and you know, I might have wasted time. But as a late adopter of technology, I, I tend to let other people make those mistakes. And then I see what sticks and then, then I go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, <clears throat> sorry about that. Um, one of the questions I have before we go on and get into jobs and sports, but more, you know, you're talking about, you know, new technologies coming in and you having to learn and understanding, you know, what will stick and what won't. I find that's pretty um, applicable to, you know, various fields as well, even beyond just, you know, coding or, you know, IT. So what do you find, you know, throughout your career has allowed you to, you know, what do you do even though 
you're, you know, you have your own company. What are you doing to learn? Are you going to seminars? Are you reading books? Are you watching videos? Like, what are you doing to, to constantly be learning? Yeah, so for most of my uh, being an entrepreneur, I still focused on the technology side of things and, and implementing uh, platforms. But more recently now, I've, I've been working on my skills as a business owner rather than a coder. And so going to peer groups, um, I think is probably the, one of the more influential things that anyone can do is find a networking group of like-minded people that you can learn and mentor, and that will accelerate your growth in anything you're doing more than any, anything else will. I mean, you can go learn from one teacher, but imagine if your classroom was full of other experts, all with their own experiences. Uh, and you get to talk with them on a monthly, quarterly, you know, whatever recurring basis. That is the most powerful tool. So I'm a member of a group called Digital Mastermind Group, which is a digital agencies um, across North America that gather once a year to meet and share in an exclusive, you know, confidential way. You know, how do you do your billing? How do you interact with customers? What are you doing with your projects? You know, like all those aspects. And I've learned so much. And. And it's really that peer-to-peer mentorship and guidance has probably accelerated all things in my life more than anything else that I've done. More than college, more than working for someone else. I mean, it's it's been you know, incredible. Yeah, that's interesting. I was actually reading something in a book yesterday, and the timing is just fantastic. Is that something like, um, oh, I forget what they called it. It's like a network marketing group. With Is that the term? Uh, it could be, I guess. Uh, we just call it a peer group. I mean, okay. yeah, or a mastermind group. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It just seems like there's <clears throat> a lot of similarities where, you know, there's like mentors that are there that, you know, you can learn from them. They teach you about their business systems and how you can apply it to themselves. And it's almost like you're saying a peer group where everyone's kind of learning from each other rather than having, you know, one, one teacher. There there's certainly groups out there that are asking for, expensive monthly dues and i avoid those if it's a true peer group it should be free or close to free and the value you're providing by providing your experience you know is is all that should be worth it there are definitely groups out there that are looking for a profit model and the group is supposed to be the profit so i shy away from those because you know they're there to build their own business not to you know help help everyone else so we you know the peer group i am a member of the person that's coordinating it is is running their own agency as well you know it's they're not they're not running this group to make money they're running this group to help their core business yeah that, that makes a lot of sense and that's definitely something that i was thinking when i was reading that where <clears throat> you know obviously if there's a group that's you know interested in you know helping with like personal development you know business skills or even you know other types of skills that are applicable to you that's something that you that I'd see at least interest in rather than, Hey, pay, you know, X amount of money every month, quarter, whatever. And right. we'll, we'll help you out. And it's like, Oh, but you're not really like growing together. Right. You're, you're basically, it's like the, the traditional education system you're paying to learn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I guess kind of building on that, you know, you touched on how at the beginning jobs and sports was a client of yours. And then, you know, they were sold to a company in Atlanta and then you kind of, you know, the ins and outs of, you know, running it and updating it. So let's maybe dive into that a bit more. 
maybe we can start with what's jobs and sports for those that don't know, and we can go from there. So jobs and sports is a job board. It's not a unique concept, but this one is specific to the sports field. And I think what I like to tell people right off the bat, every time I talk about jobs and sports is most people's concept of a job in sports is limited to the top five, you know, major sports leagues. They think mm -hmm. that means working for an NFL team in their city. But what they don't realize is that the field of sports is so massive. We're talking about not only the professional level, but the minor league level, not only just the minor league level, but what about collegiate? And if you're at the collegiate, what about high school? You know, one of the projects that I worked on previously was athletic, um, athletic management software for high schools. And that really exposed me to the world of sport, like really what, what that means. Of course, I went through high school and we had a head coach and we had an athletic director and we had trainers and I, and I knew they were there. But thinking about how do we present these jobs to all the people that want these jobs, how do we get them that information? So one of the first things we did when we took over jobs in sports is expanded the type of jobs to the collegiate and the high school level. Because there's athletic directors all over the country. And not only that, there's high school coaches associations that are interacting with the community, setting rules, um, and, you know, reviewing, you know, referees and, and doing all kinds of sport, you know, level jobs. So one of the, the first things that I like to explain to people is that there's a giant world of sports that goes beyond the major league, you know, teams. And then explain to them that, you know, these teams, whether they're pro, minor, or collegiate, they need digital marketing. They need photographers. They need trainers. I mean, it does, a, a lot of people will tell me that a job in sports means, oh, they're a coach or an assistant coach or, you know, <laughs> something related to on the field. And I understand that that's, you know, that's what people, you know, want to do. But there's only, you know, there's only so many head coach coaching jobs in, you know, football for a professional team. So the likelihood of you getting that, very low, but you can impact that team by doing data analytics or, you know, film review. There's lots of jobs within an organization. So we try to bring that aspect to the sports industry and expose those jobs that are the support structure for each team. And, 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 you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people looking for that dream job with that organization. Yeah, I uh, I can agree more with any of that because <clears throat> I think that's what makes this you know partnership between you know the route and jobs and sports so well. It's because you know our um, <clears throat> ideals are fairly similar, right? Where the whole purpose of the route is kind of showing or shining light, I should say, that it's not always A to B within the New York Yankees, right? You're not just going to come in as an intern, you know, climb through the ranks and then become director, executive, president, whatever, right? But, you know, there's so many opportunities beyond that, right? Because I have guests that are in India, Australia, working in esports, cricket, hockey, football, basketball, whatever you want. And that's the beauty of it. And even the last few podcasts I've been recording this week, that's what everyone talks about, right? Where people often forget, like you're saying, that it's much bigger than these five major sports in North America, right? There's, you know, tons of leagues in Europe and, you know, sports that we probably don't even know much about. And I was actually recording a podcast yesterday with someone in India and she was telling me how she thinks sport in India is 20 years behind and knowing that they have a population of, I think about a billion right. that there's so much potential in that market. And, 
you know, their fandom of, you know, sports like cricket or, um, you know, I, I, she, she mentioned boxing a bit and tennis, that those are only going to get bigger. There's going to be much more demand. With more demand, there's going to be more teams, and then they're going to build out an infrastructure, which she said is kind of missing there. So the amount right. of jobs that are going to become available in India is going to be immense. And then if you even factor in that leagues like the NBA, um, what was the other one she said? I'll just use the NBA for now, where they're trying to even get a, a piece of the pie in countries like India or China because they know, um, you know, that it's only going to help them in the future because they're so early in their stages in sports. So Absolutely. I think that that as a whole is a great message. And I know you kind of touched on this before we started recording that, you know, jobs and sports is looking at, uh, you know, expanding internationally as well. So maybe we can, we can touch on that now. Yeah. So, you know, we noticed probably a year or two ago, we had like a, a, an employer from South Korea, you know, posting jobs. And I'm like, this is great. You know, it doesn't really fit our model. I don't know how people are going to find this, but the employer found us. So mm -hmm. if they're, they found us, then, you know, people looking for that job can find us. So we started working on how, how do we internationalize jobs and sports in our search engine and, and our professional network. And we're about to release that. So we're jobs and sports is about to go international in a better way, not just a, a hacked way. So, mm -hmm. Um, we're, we're adding, you know, Western Eastern Europe, Africa, India, uh, Asia, Southeast Asia, Australia, Canada, Central America, and South America covering the globe. Now, um, we believe that sports jobs are, uh, worldwide and, you know, all the different cultures and all the different sports, um, you know, we want to be able to provide that dream job to everyone. And I, and I really stress that dream job, you know, people don't, I'm sure there are people that go work for a sports organization that it's just a job for them, mm -hmm. but I'm willing to venture that most people that work for a sport company, you know, they're passionate about that. They're, they're there for a reason. It, it's, yeah. you know, hopefully it's their dream job or it's a step towards their dream job. And uh, so that's why I'm really excited about jobs and sports. That's why I'm passionate about the project. It's not just a job board. It's not just indeed where it just lists all the jobs. Sure, that's, you know, there's tons of corporate jobs listed on these other job boards. But we want to be focused on your dream job. We want you to build your career profile. We want to think of you as a job seeker as as a forward on, you know, an NBA team. And we're we're trying to build your career and uh, and have, you know, general managers looking for you. And if we approach it like that, like it's athletics, then I think we add a lot more value to the job seeker. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely love that. Just the whole thing that you're saying about, you know, finding your dream job. Because I know for myself, and I, I've mentioned this throughout the podcast recordings that I've had over the year, that, you know, I started off in accounting. And I always thought I was going to be an accountant. And I had hopes of one day, you know, starting my own accounting firm and then just focus on helping athletic clients, you know, with their financials. You always hear these horror stories. Well, I go to find out accounting isn't for me, but I still have this huge passion for sport. I've always had interest in, you know, marketing, you know, creative problem solving. So that's when I dove into that. And ever since I've made that change from accounting to, you know, focusing solely on sports marketing, I, I've been living the dream, right? Where it doesn't feel like work when I'm having, you know, conversations with someone like yourself or, you know, afterwards, maybe hopping on the call with, an, with my athletic clients and, you know, speaking to them about maybe some projects we have on the line. And I, I couldn't agree more that helping people find their dream job is, amazing because at the end of the day we, you know 
as cheesy as it is, you only live once and you know, why spend that at a, at a place nine to five that you hate. So I love that, that passion and that, uh, that mission that you guys are on. Um, and then beyond that, right. You're talking about all these different opportunities, um, whether it's in the States, South Korea, Europe, um, what, what are maybe some tips for people that, you know, get on jobs in sports hearing from, you know, the CEO himself, do you have any tips for someone on how to, how to land that job? Well, the first thing I want to stress is that com- completely fill out your profile. Okay. Put up a profile picture. Give us an about. You know, our algorithm is based on how much content you provide and how much of a picture you provide of your career. So, completely fill out your profile. Don't just put you know a, a photo and a, and a headline and leave it at that. After that, be active. Uh, our employers, when they look at available candidates. The candidates are ranked by the algorithm and the algorithm is weighted by activity. So the more active you're going to be, the more you're going to be presented in front of the employer. So um, that's first step. Second one is have a strong uh, intro. You know, we're, we're, we've released messaging probably th- two months ago. And when you reach out to an employer, make sure you have a strong, cohesive, uh, you know, message. You know, I see, I get an opportunity to look at a lot of the messages that go back and forth. And it's quite surprising how many people just say like, hey, how, can you tell me more about that job? Like, who's going to read that? You know, yeah. you almost have to approach it like it's a, you know, like a SEO conversion. You know, you have to be slick. You want somebody to read it. You want somebody to open it and you want them to message back. So, and when you get that message or when you send that message, make sure that your profile looks good. I mean, we have a lot of, we have a feature right now that when you apply for a job, if mm-hmm. your profile really isn't completed, we give you a warning and say, hey, wait a second, before you send this to the employer, please review your profile because this is what they're going to see. And so many people just go ahead and say, yes, send anyways. And it blows my mind. Well, an employer is going to look at your profile and say, I, I don't even know what you can do for me. And, uh, you know, so that's that's probably one of my more surprising things for jobs in sports. Yeah, that, that's pretty interesting that you say that because I've had conversations with people about, uh, let's say LinkedIn specifically and, you know, maybe cold messaging or looking to connect with people. And they, they always tell me they don't have that much success. And then when they look at the podcast, they're like, hey, how did you get these guests? I'm like, oh, um, I just, you know, sent them a message. And I'm like, hey, like, what's the secret? And it's like, there's no secret. You know, I'm just, there's a few things I, I mentioned to them, but there's no real hey thanks for connecting come on the podcast it's really kind of saying this is what we're about i think you'd be great and you know like i'd say 50 50 or even more than that uh people are like yeah absolutely let's hop on and let's send out a a podcast so i definitely see how that has an impact yeah and then try to offer them something you know give them some insight you know in towards the job to show that you've already thought about it a little bit you know if you i imagine with your podcast if you you know read their profile and find something interesting that's relatable business is just about being relatable to people whether you're looking for a job or you're looking for a connection with the podcast find something to relate with them and get on the same level and that's step one right there yeah that's that's a great point and that's probably something i'm going to clip but um i forget if this is when i worked at a startup or maybe it was from a professor in university they always talked about you know value exchange and they kind of hammered that right where whether it's you just connecting with someone on LinkedIn 
maybe sending out an application on jobs and sports or even just, you know, going for a coffee chat. You can't just always be like, hey, tell me about this job or, hey, tell me about yourself or, hey, can you answer some questions for me? Like what value you're bringing them back? And something I always heard was um, when you're like applying for a job, let's say, you got to say what value you're bringing to them rather than what value they're going to bring to you, right? We're like, oh, hey, like I need this job. Um, I'll do anything you say and so on. But like, hey, if you hire me, um, I think I can help you increase, I don't know, views on your page because I know how to do this, this, and this, right? Where it's almost, you're trying to convince them that it's a no-brainer to to hire you or to speak to you or anything like that. Because if they're not, they're missing out on something, right? So, Yeah, it shows me, as an employer myself, I mean, it shows me that you've thought about what you can bring to the table. Because if you don't think you can bring anything to the table, I sure as hell am not going to think you can bring anything to the table. So, you know, I I think, um, you know, putting that forethought into the message is, is, is a big first step to show, you know, what value you can bring. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I guess maybe moving beyond that and kind of, you know, wrapping things up a bit. There's two things that I enjoy asking every single guest at the end of the podcast. And I'll ask the first one and then we'll follow up with the, the latter. The first being, you know, obviously you've you've had a, a great career. You still have more to go so far throughout your career, whether it's with jobs and sports or in your academic career, or maybe something in IT as well. What's something that's stood out to you so far that when, you know, um, you're retired or you're on your rocking chair when you're 150 years old, hopefully with technology, uh, you look back and like, wow, th- th- I can't believe I, I was able to do that as a career. So what's a story moment in time that sticks out to you? Uh, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I never thought that I would be a business owner. I never thought that being a business owner was so fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big advocate for people to take that risk, especially when you're young, especially when you have the ability to do it. Um, even if you have a family and the risk is harder, you know, take the risk. There will be nothing more fulfilling than being your own boss and knowing that your effort impacts your bottom line. Because the harder you work, the better that you work, the more talent that you surround yourself makes you more money, not somebody else. It brings you your clients more value, not other people. And it's, it's really eye opening. And, and, and what I think is the biggest statement there is that our education systems and speaking just from my experience in the American uh, education mm-hmm. system is they do not teach entrepreneurship at all. And they need to, you know, they, they teach you how to be a good employee and they never tell you about being your own employer. And I think that needs to change because there's, first of all, small business is, you know, 50% of all jobs in this country are by small business. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing more rewarding than being able to make an impact uh, for other clients and other businesses and being successful and helping uh, or providing a service or providing a product. So when I'm older and I sit back, I'm just gonna be like, wow, for as many obstacles there is to starting a business for me to be able to actually do it and grow it. And then, and then being successful enough to be recognized by like the Inc 5,000 and, uh, and other awards, you know, that's, that's, you know, I haven't appreciated it yet Mm because I, I 
I'm trying to stay humble, but I do sit back sometimes and go, man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's amazing. And um, I don't know, I guess just when you're kind of saying this and talking about the education system, uh, it kind of sticks out to me, right? Where I guess I was fortunate enough in high school, I took a an entrepreneurship class in, in grade 10. And, and the funny story behind it was, all my friends, they all went into, we had, this was for an elective, they all went to this advanced gym class, right? And I wanted to do that because, you know, I love sports, hence the podcast, hence what I do for a living. Right. And my dad nicks that. He's like, no way. He's like, you already have a gym class. He's like, you already play sports. He's like, you're taking entrepreneurship class because you want to be a businessman. You're going to take that class. I was like, Smart. oh, man. Okay. So I take the class. I really enjoyed it. And then you know, I, I never really th- thought of it since, right? Where then I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I always knew I was going to go to university for business, you know, get into accounting at the time. And then when I was in, uh, I live in Quebec, I lived in Quebec, so it was called Seychelles, which is like a college before university. And I was taking some entrepreneurship courses as well. And I always thought, I was always interested in it. And I completely dove into those projects, but never really thought of it. Same thing took place in university. And now that I'm removed from university, I worked from a startup, I worked for a sports team. And I was like, you know what? My goal has always been to, you know, start a firm or an agency. Why not just do it now? Like you're saying, right? Like take the risk while I'm young. Cause there's no kids, there's no mortgage or any of that to worry about. So right. I think this is the great time to do it. And everything you're saying was uh, like, I know you're speaking to me, but I felt like you're, when you're talking about yourself, I was directly applying it to myself as well. And I, I couldn't agree more with that. And, yeah. Um, when I started my business, I, I had a great full-time job that paid well. And no, so here's the risk that people have to confront themselves with. In order for you to be rich, you have to take a risk. Nobody's going to come by one day and just touch a magic wand on your shoulder and you're magically rich. That doesn't happen. It may happen for celebrities in the, the, the elite 1%, but you got to go out there and make it yourself. You got to go out there and get it and nobody's going to give it to you. So you have to take a pay cut and start your business without the security of that full-time job. You know, it's scary, but nobody's going to give you a business that's thriving and successful without that sacrifice. So it, it is scary, but if you are confident, you can provide value to someone else. Mm-hmm. And do it and yeah. do it for yourself. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that just because, um, you know, I, I forget where I read this or maybe I saw this video and it was kind of like the short story where, um, you know, this company was doing well and then they see this, their boss at, with a new Ferrari and then the employee goes to the boss, right? Hey, hey boss, you think I can get one of those soon? And he's like, hey, guess what? If you work hard this year uh, i promise you i'll get another one uh that's kind of thing right where you'll never get rich working for someone else and that always kind of stuck with me or like stayed there because i noticed in some of the jobs i've had in the past i'd be out working people doing everything i can and then i'd be seeing like the executives or you know the owners just kind of enjoying themselves right and i'm like hey like i'm bleeding i'm sweating i'm i'm doing all this imagine if i put this much effort into something of my own i'm like then i'd be the one like laughing and having a great time so um i definitely connect with that 
Um, I, mean, I will say that most owners are in the trenches with their team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, of course. You know, I, I'm, I work hard and, you know, my job is to make my employees' jobs as easy as possible. That's how I look at my, my role. So mm -hmm. I try to remove as many barriers for them as possible. So I'm working for them. And that's our yeah. culture. And I, and I, you know, there's different cultures for all different organizations. But, you know, there's two things that I learned that nobody taught me that I had to figure out for myself. And that's one, you know, you're only going to get wealthy when you're making money off of other people or uh, other people's time, because you only have so much time. And if you're only making money based off your labor, then you're limited to how much you can make because there's only so much time in the day. Yeah. So you need to be able to have the skills to create a team, to gather talent where you can put them in a position to succeed so that you can make additional money off of them, right? So that is, I think either that or, or you have some, you know, resources in your backyard that you can dig up and sell. But for the to get rich, you, you have to be able to make money off of other people's effort. Mm -hmm. The second one is when you make money, put it into assets. So many people buy a Ferrari, like you just mentioned. That's a, wa yeah. you know, a waste. You don't get wealthy by wasting money, but you get wealthy by taking that extra money that you made and dumping it into assets that help you make more money. And that's what yeah. rich people do. And nobody teaches that. Nobody explains that and probably for good reason, but you know, that that's the keys that I learned that nobody, nobody taught me. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And a lot of things you're saying is just connecting exactly with the book that I've been reading. Um, but yeah, I, and I guess the final question I'll ask to, to wrap it up is if you had the opportunity to go back in time and talk to a younger version of yourself or maybe, you know, a, a student that's just starting off, which is a lot of our listeners, what advice would you give them that kind of stuck to you or like, hey, this is a key to, to my success? Hmm. Um don't worry about the bullshit when you're younger. All that, all the stuff, the drama is worthless. It doesn't matter. The, the relationships that you have when you're, you know, 18, you might have one of them by the time you're 40. Uh, and focus on, focus on the providing value to people, be good to people. And, and who cares about what's popular, what's trendy or following the trends or jumping on trends? Like, Stick with the classic tried and true principles and you'll be fine. And one of the things that I have to tell a lot of my younger employees is quit taking defeats so personal. A defeat is just an obstacle to overcome. And you have to be able to move on to the next thing. You hear in the, in the football world all the time that a cornerback has to have a short memory. And they say that because if they get burned and they take that loss to the next play, they're going to get burned again. So <laughs> cornerbacks have to have short memory. Same in life. You have to learn from that lesson, move on and get ready and get back on a positive mindset. There's so many people in the younger workforce that's coming up that take a defeat for, you know, it just occupies their brain and they can't move on and they're stuck for two weeks. And then you have to talk to them and you have to shake them out of it. And then they're back into being productive until the next thing comes. I mean, it's it's such a different mindset. And I know people say all the time, like, oh, you're just lumping millennials into a certain group. But it's mm -hmm. there are characteristics of the generational workforce 
and you know that 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 mindset of you know get defeatism is is rampant and it just you know nothing is that serious you can have a, a failure but learn from it get back up and then go tackle it and don't let it happen again don't be a repeat offender so yeah that that's some amazing advice because um you know whether it's from people i'm speaking to as well or you know people sharing this on the podcast one of the biggest things that you know whether i'm reading or they're, they're saying is um you know get comfortable with no's right or rejection and one of the guests that i had he was saying when he was in um, university that his professor told him you know to get used to no's and rejection and moving on from it was to ask i think for a two-week period whenever you purchase something or go up to anybody and ask for an additional item for free. So if you're getting coffee, say, Hey, can I get that muffin? Or um, if you're walking by a bagel store, like, Hey, can I get a bagel for free? And it sounds ridiculous, but more likely than not, they're going to be like, no, because you know, you're not paying for it. And then you constantly being, you know, getting the nose and getting used to it and, you know, removing that fear of behind the no or the rejection or looking silly um, just allows you to, to move forward. So, that's something, something I know I need to work on. And I, I don't think you're generalizing either. I, I definitely see it within my friends or, and myself that that's uh, something we all need to work on. So, so that's, that's funny that you bring that up because, you know, when I, when I was growing up, when I was younger, I was pretty shy. I was uh, not outgoing whatsoever. That is not a skill set that an entrepreneur or a business owner will, you know, be okay with. So mm-hmm. I, I recognized this in myself at a young age and, I was like, I need to change that. How do I need to change that? And I need to start uh, talking and engaging with people. So I decided to do one thing. You know, when everyone meets somebody, like you cross somebody, you know, at a door, at a store, whatever it is, and you say, hey, how's it going? And they go, hey, good. That's it. That's the end of the interaction. Or when a a waiter or waitress comes to your table, hey, how's it going? And you just say, oh, good. And that that usually is the end of that that small talk. I made it a point to say, I'm good. And how are you? Just making sure that I asked them how they're doing, extended the conversation by double and sometimes led to even longer conversations. And it forced me to start getting comfortable talking to strangers. And now, uh, you know, I have, I get on a podcast. I've never met you face to face and we just had a, you know, really good 40 minute conversation. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think that's, you know, a key is just find things that challenge you to yeah. grow. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that because I think I, I'm the same where I'm part introvert, part extrovert. And uh, even sometimes with the podcast, I'm like, oh, like, I don't want to do this. But then just doing it and jumping, you know, headfirst into it, it gets me going and it allows me to prove on it. And yeah, I, I definitely see that. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Unless there's anything else you'd like to share. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. It just flew by. Yeah, it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I guess for your audience, just check out Jobs and Sports, build your profile, stay active. Uh, the employers will find you. Put Make sure you got keywords for the career you're looking for. And uh, hope to see you on there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. All right, thank you. That concludes our interview with David McGraw. Just want to say thank you again, David, for coming on. You know, um, sharing your amazing insight, you know, being a part of the route as well as a presenting sponsor and also just for, for the amazing chats we have as well. So much appreciated. Hopefully you guys enjoyed. Um, yeah, there's not too much else. I think I covered most of it at the beginning of the podcast. 
Um, as always, you can find you know the route merchandise at whitewhalemarketing.shop. We have our collection there with different hoodies, hats, um, t-shirts, stickers, whatever you want, we got it. So show the support for the brand. Allow us to you know continue sharing these amazing routes with you guys. And uh, we have some cool guests coming up in the next few weeks. I think next week will be, it's actually going to be myself. Every 20 episodes, I do an update and uh, number 60 is coming. So stay tuned. Hopefully you guys enjoy that and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Have a good one.